The Falcons had chance after chance after chance, but couldn't pull off the comeback against the Washington Commanders in their Week 6 loss. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everyone, to another illustrious episode of the Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by the Game Time app. All you got to do is download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On NFL, and you'll get $20 off your first purchase, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And of course, guys, if you don't know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, your very humble host of this illustrious podcast people know me as serious black they know me as mr drew my friends call me negative nancy but you can call me mr drew but you can become one of my friends by becoming an everydayer of this illustrious podcast all you got to do is subscribe or follow for free on youtube or wherever you listen to podcasts so today the falcons suffered a tough disheartening loss to the Washington Commanders, 24 to 16, had plenty of opportunities uh, to win this game. They weren't able to take advantage of those opportunities. And for that reason, you're not going to really get too much of an overreaction from me on today's episode, guys. Uh, this is one of those games where, I, I you know, I, I know I'm going to be contrarian Chris on to a lot of folks, right? But basically, I don't feel like I'm being contrarian when it comes to not being too upset about this game simply because like this game is basically what I talk about every week on the crossovers that we do previewing each game and every week on the crossover, when we talk about, you know, how the Falcons win and predicting the final score, I basically say every week it's going to be a one possession game in the fourth quarter. And hopefully the Falcons will make the plays to win the game. And because this was a home game, I felt more optimistic than usual that they would be able to do that. Um, but the reality is that they, they weren't able to take care of business and what's interesting to me is, you know, five out of the six games that they've played this year have basically come down to that, where it was basically a one possession game uh, going into the fourth quarter or midway through the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, the one exception was the Jacksonville game. And three out of the five times when that's been the case, the Falcons have made the plays and won the game and twice, you know, previously against Detroit and now today against Washington, they did make the plays. And that's why, like, I, I don't expect them every week to be able to make those plays in each week when they don't make those plays, just like similar to after the Lions game, I wasn't sitting here going like, oh, no, the sky is falling because it's like sometimes it's just going to happen. So it's unfortunate, right? They repeatedly get got opportunities in the second half of this game to basically cut the lead. Uh, and, and didn't take advantage of those opportunities. And, and I was, you know, talking to the the formerly the subtext folks, but now the officially branded Locked On Falcons insiders throughout the day. Um, and basically starting with that possession right before halftime, I was like, okay, this is the drive where the Falcons offense gets it together. They go down the field, get points, and they get back into this game. And, you know, they had they got the ball at the beginning or right before halftime with five minutes left to go, right? They had a chance to to go down, get points, and then, you know, getting the ball at the top of the second uh, half, you know, this was an opportunity down two scores or whatever it was at that point to, to really sort of uh, take this game back. Or no, they were down 17. Yeah, they were down 17-7 at that point. Um, and they had a chance to, to really kind of 
storm back into this game and sort of win that middle eight that you you constantly hear people talk about. You know, last four minutes of the first half, the first four minutes of the second half, they did get a field goal right on that drive to close out. Washington gets a three and out, and then the Falcons get another opportunity to sort of you know steal some points there before halftime. Uh, but Ritter, you know, nearly throws a pick to Kendall Fuller where Scotty Miller, he tried to throw it to Scotty Miller and Kendall Fuller was all over that, almost picked it off. And then coming out of the halftime in the second half, Kendall Fuller did get that pick. He did jump a throw to Van Jefferson. It seemed like it was a miscommunication. Either it was a bad ball well behind Van Jefferson on an out, or he was trying to throw it to Bijan, and it was just a miscommunication. Bijan ran the wrong route. Uh, but Fuller put, picks that off. Washington turns that into points. And, and speaking of Washington turning that into points, all three of Washington's touchdowns today came on short fields. Right, they had a sixty-yard punt return from Jamison Crowder to start the third, second quarter that turned into a touchdown. The Falcons got aggressive later in the second quarter, went for it on a fourth and three near midfield. Uh, they did not convert there. Washington capitalized, able to convert on their own fourth down on the subsequent drive and score points, uh, finishing with a Curtis Samuel touchdown to D. Alford, uh, oh, beating D. Alford on a seven-yard touchdown. And then Ritter's interception at the start of the second quarter, Brian Robinson was able to, uh, you know, and Washington was able to capitalize on a screen pass, a 24-yard screen pass uh, that wound up being a score. And, and you know, the issue is consistently this defense throughout the first five games of the season has gotten stops in those instances, and today they didn't. Right. Previously, they would force teams to settle for field goals or force punts. They didn't quite have that today. And again, I'm not mad at defense. We'll talk later about, you know, some of the things that I liked about the defensive performance on today's episode. Uh, they gave the offense plenty of opportunities, especially in the second half uh, to to get back into this game. And the offense didn't take uh, advantage. of. That. So after that, Brian Robinson touchdown, Washington goes up 24 to 10 uh, it, at the start of the third quarter. And the Falcons put together a nice drive. At the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, uh, score cut the lead to 20, 24 to 16 uh, with the touchdown capped off by uh, John U. Smith. They got their fourth down conversion in the red zone on a pass to Mac Hollins. And Arthur Smith, after the John U. Smith touchdown, decides to go for two. I would have personally kicked the field goal there, but I'm like, I'm not mad at the decision to be aggressive in that situation. You know, if, you know, again, like, I don't know. Again, like I'm not going to sit here and say that cost the Falcons, but certainly it was part of the things just weren't right, you know, sort of feeling that you got. And they they had two tries to get the two point conversion because it got a penalty on the first try, um, but they weren't able to convert. Right. I'll, I'll be curious at the analytics folks you know, what they say about that decision to go for two there, uh, if they have any grievances with that. Um, but, you know, then they get another opportunity to score on their next possession after a defensive stop. You get a roughing the passer call on Cody Barton, where he goes high on, on Desmond Ritter. You get a new set of downs. You miss a touchdown throw to Michael Pruitt in the back in the end zone on a rollout. Then you get a delay of game penalty, right? This was kind of the killer. This was kind of the thing that embodied that something was off with the Falcons today, right? And then you get another, nearly get another delay of game penalty on, on the very next play on a third and goal, right? And Ritter throws the pick on that on that play. And that looked like potentially another miscommunication between him and Drake London on that particular play. But he certainly, you know, Drake London was over here and he was throwing it over here and it was like, okay. Um, but you know, Washington takes over at that point with like five minutes to go. And it seems like the game is over at that point. Cause Washington just kind of has to bleed time and they'll take care of business. But the defense again, gets another stop. You get another chance to get the, uh, the, the tie the game with three and a half minutes to go and Ritter misses a throw to John U. Smith. He tried to escape the pocket, get sacked, sets up a fourth and eight. They go for it again. 
Could they have punted the ball? Sure. Again, I'm not mad at Arthur Smith for being aggressive, trying to win the game at least at this point in time. Maybe I was a little bit bothered by the previous instance of trying to win the game. But either way, you know, like, I, again, you settle for the, the extra point there. Like, I don't, I don't think it changes the outcome of this game by any means. But um, you go for it on fourth down. The pass is broken up to Kyle Pitts, right? Then the defense gets another three and out, right? Like it's crazy. Like they they kept getting opportunity after opportunity after the two minute warning, right? Ritter hits five passes in a row, and I'm just sitting here going like, okay, this is like last week at the end of the game where Ritter is hot and hits the throws, and you know we, we get the points. We move the ball sixty yards on on five consecutive completions for Desmond Ritter. Then they spike it, and then they get the procedural thing again. Right. You have to burn your final timeout to avoid another delay of game call on the third one. And then you try to run a slant to B. John Robinson. He doesn't necessarily run an ideal route. And J- Jamin Davis sort of picks it off. Right. And so as I break it down, you know, you clearly can see that Desmond Ritter needs to make a few more throws. Right. This is easily a win if he just makes a couple of throws in this game, one or two more throws, or at least sends it into overtime where it could, again, easily be a win. So, again, that's why I'm not, like, overreacting to, like, okay, they lost. It's like, but it's like a couple of plays here or there, and it, this easily could have won. So I think it's things that they got to clean up. Again, I think getting the plays in quicker so that they're not getting those procedural delay of game calls is something that they need to work on, but that's a relatively easy fix. That's not something that, you know, all of a sudden we have to completely throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. So, um, you know, again, Ritter got to play a little bit better. But and we'll see what the film says. But watching it live, I'm not convinced those three interceptions are really on him, or at least totally on him. I feel like the wide receivers could have done a lot more to help him out on those three particular plays. So I get why it's disheartening for a lot of folks coming off of this loss, whereas uh, I know a lot of folks expected, given where Washington looked like a week ago uh, on that Thursday night game, that this was a, a very, very winnable game uh, for the Falcons. But again, I thought when we started this two-game roam, homestand against Houston and Washington, that this was going to be the tougher game for the Falcons to win because I just didn't think Washington was as good a matchup for the Falcons as Houston was, right? So, you know, Washington gave the Falcons plenty of opportunities. They kept serving it up, right? Like, hey, Atlanta, you want to win? You want to steal this win from us? And Atlanta was basically like Lucy and Charlie Brown with the football. And instead of like Lucy pulling the ball away, it was just like Charlie Brown just kept whiffing on the kick. Like Lucy was like, are you going to kick this ball? And like Charlie Brown's like, oh, you know, so, like, that's what it felt like today. So, in the large scheme of things, like, I feel like we can get Charlie Brown on track, right? Like, again, this is a relatively minor fix compared to some of the other issues that we've had to deal with in past weeks. So, we'll talk about the defense. We'll talk about the pass rush coming to life as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. So, guys, buying tickets to your favorite sporting events shouldn't be stressful, and game time makes it fast and easy to buy all the tickets for the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guaranteed. Game time is taking the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show up. Show your totals up front so that you know you're getting a great deal without any of the hidden fees and you can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. 
Now, guys, I'm sure many of you have $10 in your pocket right now, and you'd love a way to turn that into $250. And you can, with prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. All you got to do is pick two or more players and pick more or less versus their projected stats each week. And the more entries you make, the more money you can make up to 25 times your money, right? And prize picks, it's quick, it's easy. You're only going up against the projections. You're not going up against any other players. I like to go more on Bijan's rushing total projections. That did not help me out today. But you can take advantage of this quick and easy way to turn $10 into $250 by going to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. So guys, like I said, it was an uncharacteristic day for the defense just because they gave up three touchdowns on the four instances where Washington had favorable field position, all three of Washington's scoring drives came when they started with the Falcons 11 yard line uh, after a big punt return from Jamison Crowder. Then they, they got the ball at the, their own 48 Washington's own 48 after that turnover on downs. Uh, and then uh, the Falcons, they had another scoring drive that started um, at the Falcons 27 on Kendall Fuller's interception at the beginning of the third quarter. Then they got another opportunity late in the game in the final two and a half minutes where they started at the Falcons 44 after that turnover on downs. The Falcons defense held in that instance. So it's tough that the defense gave up three scores in those four instances, but it was kind of inevitable, right? That like you couldn't sustain this ability, this uncanny ability for the Falcons defense to basically, you know, get stops and force field goals every single time that the offense would gift wrap the defense or the opposing offense, you know, favorable instance. So it's three hiccups, but outside of those three hiccups, right? I think the defense played well today. The pass rush got home. You got five sacks against Sam Howell. They hit Sam Howell a total of 10 times. He dropped back only 28 times. So the fact that you were able to hit him on 36% of his dropbacks and longtime listeners know that that 35% pressure rate is the number. And so that's not even counting the pressures. That's just the hits, right? So presumably they were able to pressure Sam Howell 40, 50 potentially percent of his dropbacks. So a good day from the Falcons pressure they couldn't really keep Terry McLaurin in check despite that pressure, right? He finished the, the game with six catches for 81 yards. He just continues every time we play Terry McLaurin like he is a thorn in our side. But we'll, we'll one day we'll figure that out. We'll figure it out. But outside of that, outside of Terry McLaurin and those uh, three hiccups, right, like the defense played well today, I thought. Calais Campbell had his best game of the day, got his 100 sack of his NFL career and did, as he promised, busted out the Dirty Bird to celebrate. You also got sacks from one and a half sacks from Bud Dupree, one and a half sacks from Arnold Abichetti, and a sack from Grady Jarrett. No sacks for David Onyemata, uh, but he did get a quarterback hit, as did Lorenzo Carter. So, you know, pretty much everybody that's anybody on the defensive front was able to get after Sam Howell today. Um, you know, I know there's been a lot of talk about Arnold Abichetti's usage elsewhere within the fan base. Uh, I haven't really weighed in on that and not going to necessarily go too deep into that. I will basically say I don't think Arnold Abichetti's usage this year has been it a major problem for me based off of what Arnold Kitty has put out on film this year, nor based off of the other, to me, much more pressing issues that the defense has to sort of deal with. Uh, but I know that's led to a lot of folks, you know, some folks clamoring for the Falcons to trade for Arnold Abichetti, which to me is ridiculous, but also a lot of folks clamoring for the Falcons to 
acquire some edge rusher, right? Whether that's Frank Clark or Randy Gregory or trading for Daniel Hunter or somebody else. And I just think those people are kind of setting themselves up for disappointment. I don't think the Falcons are going to make a big splash for an edge rusher. I really don't think the Falcons are going to really add any help at that edge rusher position. It kind of goes back to a similar conversation we had back in June when we first discussed, you know, the plausibility of trading for Daniel Hunter. And it was like, I'd be very surprised if the Falcons made that trade for financial reasons, not because, you know, they couldn't use the helper or anything like that. But, you know, this will probably be something that we can take a deeper look in potentially on the all 22 review on Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning. Uh, but, you know, if the Falcons are going to acquire some defensive line help, I don't think it's going to be an edge rusher. I think it's going to be some interior help. We saw today we got the fourth different backup D tackle combination through six games this season with LaCale London and Albert Huggins being active as those backups behind Grady Jarrett and David Onyemata. Taquan Graham and Elianco were uh, inactive. We've seen Timmy Horn in the mix as well off of the practice squad. And it just seems like they're kind of churning that group to try to find some guys that can keep David Onyemata and Grady Jarrett fresh. We did get to see more of Calais Campbell on the inside, which did allow for more of Arnold Ebiketti get those opportunities on the edge. So that's part of the reason why I think that all the Arnold Ebiketti talk is much ado about nothing, right? But it's it's very clear to me that the Falcons have five pass rushers that they trust in those passing situations. Jared, Onyemata, Campbell, Dupree, and Arnold Ebiketti. And so why I get why fans aren't content with the current state of the edge rusher rotation here in Atlanta with the five-man rotation, which is Dupree, Carter, Campbell, Harrison, and Ebiketti. I think the Falcons are definitely very comfortable with that group, and that's why you're probably not going to see that much more of D'Angelo Malone the rest of the season or the Falcons making a big addition at that position. But the interior group, because you're seeing all this churning day-to-day, game-to-game, that to me tells me that the Falcons are not particularly happy with that group, and that's where you're more likely to see the Falcons address that position. And it'll be interesting to me, because I noticed that DeMarco Hellams once again got some action at that dime safety, uh, you know, potentially over Jalen Hawkins. We'll see what the snap counts look like tomorrow. But it was also notable to me that Micah Abernathy was elevated from the practice squad yesterday to play in this game, and he served as the personal protector instead of Hellams on the punt team. So it does feel like maybe there's an opportunity for Hellams to get more opportunities on defense, which may be at the expense of Jalen Hawkins, which may lead to Jalen Hawkins being shopped. You know, we got the trade deadline two weeks from now. So, you know, I know a team out there, I know one team out there in the Philadelphia Eagles that I've seen a lot of people online saying, hey, you know, a lot of people that I follow that cover the Eagles, hey, the the Eagles need to make a trade for a safety. They need some safety help. And I'm saying, like, you know, maybe the Falcons will call them up and offer Jalen Hawkins and maybe, you know, exchange, not not Jalen Carter. I know some of you guys are like, we're going to trade for Jalen. No, probably more likely there's a guy that, this coaching staff is very familiar with that is kind of buried on that Eagles D tackle depth chart named Contavia Street, played for Ryan Nielsen at NC State as well as in New Orleans in recent years. Uh, and so to me, a player for player swap, Contavia Street for Jalen Hawkins, to me seems like a plausible possibility again. You know, so we talked about six months ago, Van Jefferson trade being a possibility. Let's talk two weeks ahead of the trade deadline as a Contavia Street, Jalen Hawkins. Let's see if we can call a shot again in two weeks. But again, that's something that we can explore a little more in in depth uh, later this week. But overall, it's nice to see the pass rush step up today. And despite those three possessions, the defense overall had a good performance. And and so we'll see if the offense can bounce back next week and take advantage of the opportunities that this defense continues to give them. And we'll talk about some of the things that 
still give me pause about this offense, the running game, as well as some of the things that I saw today that give me a little bit of hope that at least this passing game is going to make strides as the rest of the season unfolds. And we'll get into that to wrap up today's Locked on Falcons. So, guys, we know that the Falcons' success depends on the team that they surround their young quarterback with, right? And you probably know as a small business owner or hiring manager that it's all about your team managing for your business to reach their goals in 2023. And the good thing is it's easy for you to find the right people because you have LinkedIn jobs. You don't have to worry about, you know, the Eagles trying to fleece you in a trade or anything like that, right? You can just go to LinkedIn jobs and quickly attract and hire the qualified candidates by matching with the people with the skills and values and experiences that you need to achieve your goals. Just go to LinkedIn and put your job post in front of millions of uh, profiles and LinkedIn. You can screen and rate applicants based off of the job qualifications all in one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs is going to help you find a qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on nfl that's linkedin.com slash locked on nfl to post your job for free terms and conditions apply so again i'm not going to be overly judgmental about desmond ritter or arthur smith's play calling until we get to the all 22 i you know i'm not a big fan of overreacting right you look at 50 passing dropbacks 47 pass attempts three sacks allowed uh today so 50 dropbacks for the Falcons offense today, which is not ideal, right? You want more balance in the offense. Falcons ran the ball 29 times for 106 yards, only averaged 3.7 yards per carry. The ground game was problem today, right? Again, that has been too often an issue this season that the ground game just has not been working. Again, the numbers look fine. They, they hit over 100 yards, but they were really pressing to get to that 100 yards. And it was really only late in the game that this, you know, ground game started to get some steam, right? And so that, to me, the fact that this running game can't really get going uh, these last couple of weeks is, to me, a much more pressing concern moving forward for me than Arthur Smith's play calling or Desmond Ritter's performances or whatever, because, again, I expect – you know, those are things that we can work on over the course of the season. But the thing that I expect to be good right away is the running game, right? And Bijan and Algiers combined success rate today was 38%. This is the second week in a row. In the, and again, I talked about it last week. Last week was the first time that they had been held to under a success rate of 40% um, combined, the running backs. Uh, that is since 2021. Well, now we got two weeks in a row where they've been held under 40%. And for those of you that don't know about success rate, 40 under 40% is bad. Basically above 40, 40 to 45% is acceptable success rate. Anything above 45% is good. Right? So under 40% is bad. Right? And really Algier kind of got things going late at the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter. And I think he was successful in like five of his final six runs. So it did seem like he started to get things going where maybe Washington was a little bit starting to wear down late in the game. But until that point, right, if you just remove Algiers' last six runs out of the equation, the Falcons would have been only successful in 25%, which is abysmal uh, of their rushing attempts this week. And this was Bijan's worst game of, of, you know, obviously his career in the season. Um, and it's to me, it's just going to be tough for the Falcons to sustain any high level and reliable offense game to game if they're going to have to rely on Desmond Ritter in the passing game to kind of carry their offense, right? They're not really built to be that. And Ritter did do some nice things 
early in this game. The Falcons got off to a fast start in this game. But, you know, again, I don't think it was Arthur Smith just being having a bad game plan or anything like that. I just think the run game wasn't working. And so he just basically like passing the football is the only way that we're effective at moving the football. And at least for the first quarter and a half, that seemed to be true. And then, you know, it kind of stopped being the case after that point. But, you know, so like that to me is a much more glaring concern. I'm much more concerned about the run game than I am about the quarterback or the play calling or whatever. And again, I, I get why the quarterback and the play calling are always a lightning rod when it comes to, especially when teams lose every single week, like the blame is going to be on the head coach, the quarterback and the play caller. And in this case, you know, the play caller and head coach are the same guy. So I get that. But like, for me, I'm much more concerned about the run game. So that will be something I, I will certainly be refocusing on this week when I watched the film. So outside of that, you know, there were some promising things, some signs that at least, you know, if looking in terms of a long-term view over the next 11 games that this team is going to have to play some things that I think we can see develop over time. Cause again, I don't expect this passing game to be this well-oiled, fully formed entity at this point in the season. They're building towards that with their young, uh, you know, developing quarterback and whatnot. But it was nice to see Van Jefferson get his, you know, Falcons debut. I was shocked to see him active today. He didn't have any catches. He only had two targets. They took a deep shot to him in the second quarter, right? They didn't connect him and Ritter couldn't connect there. And then we had the interception at the start of the third quarter uh, that at least in the official, you know, game book was logged as a Van Jefferson target. Um, We'll see what the film says, uh, if if that needs to be changed or whatever. Uh, But you know, it was nice to see the Falcons, you know, utilizing Van Jefferson in the ways that we talked about this week, like, you know, using him to try to stretch defense. And unfortunately, there was a couple of big play opportunities for the Falcons early on that deep shot to Van Jefferson, a wheel route to, to B. John Robinson that Ritter quite couldn't connect on. And if he does connect on those plays and the Falcons can sustain that momentum, you know, we we might be talking on, on, a, on a different outcome today. So, again, just a couple of plays here or there. And, you know, we could see this team getting back, but it was nice to see that aggressive play calling with the new guy, uh, you know, getting that opportunity as that deep threat. And so hopefully we'll continue to see Van Jefferson do that and that connection between him and Desmond Ritter to build in subsequent weeks. We also saw, you know, it seemed like there was more of Kadero Hodge and Scotty Miller opening things up, using more, you know, three wide receivers and whatnot, some of that positionless football and all that stuff. So we'll see what the film says on, on some of that stuff. But um, again, positives from this game that you can take away again the opening drive we've got the first touchdown on an opening drive like ever like when was the last time the falcons scored a touchdown on opening drive i feel like that was maybe like october of last year when the last time that happened uh for this football team so we'll take it again take what you can get on on these types of performances guys but uh we'll see how the falcons respond obviously we know that this team typically does not perform well on the road so that's going to be a challenge next week over these next two games against two very formidable defensive fronts in tampa bay and tennessee right and so it's going to be on the offensive line to step up but i thought they did a good job handling washington's you know very vaunted uh d-line and they've done that in the past Right. You know, like last year, pain and sweat and and those guys made some plays and we know Jonathan Allen made some plays uh, and, you know, Chase Allen got some pressure in this game at, at times. But for the most part, it seemed like they were able to keep those guys in check from a passing standpoint, you know, especially when you're dropping back 50 times and you're not really seeing Desmond Ritter under a ton of duress in this game. Um, again, the run game stuff needs to be improved and I think it's going to be even challenged running against 
Tampa Bay and Tennessee's fronts than it was against Washington's front and Houston's front the last couple of weeks. So that's going to be something that we're going to have to fix. But we'll see if the, the guys up front can take care of business and we'll see if Desmond Ritter can be just like okay on the road. Like, again, I don't I don't expect you to, win, to carry the games, but like, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes, guys. But that's going to do it for us tomorrow for your first listen. We will be joined by, I believe, Josh Kendall of The Athletic to talk about this loss. Um, and then, of course, later this week, we'll we'll break down the film. If you have any feedback, of course, you can hit me up uh, via email at LockedOnFalcons at mail.com. But check out this subtext, the Locked On Falcons Insider. Become a Locked On Falcons Insider by joining the subtext links uh, in the description below. You get that one-on-one communication. You get my insights pre-post. Uh, in in game as well as access to the extended all 22 review so that's another great way to submit questions for future episodes and provide your feedback guys so hopefully the falcons will figure it out next week we'll see what the film says we'll see what josh kindle has to say continue to make locked on falcons your first listen continue to make locked on nfl your second listen check out what's going on with the other 31 nfl teams or 27 nfl teams that played on today by checking out locked on nfl as your second listen it's all part of locked on podcast network your team every day